All right, that was a little conversation with Jake Shimavakuro. I guess he was discovered in Central Park, seeing over the rainbow. And um, I'm supposed to interview him in a couple weeks, and I'll keep you posted on that. But right now, I have the next guest, call, um, she's standing by, Val Walker. She's joining us to talk about, ironically, here's the title of her book, 400 Friends and No One to Call, Breaking Through Isolation and Building Community. Good morning, Val. Good morning. As I was saying, it's really ironic, your title of your book, and, you know, with what's going on, everybody's kind of in uh, self-quarantine right now, so you must be having a lot of conversations with people. Yes, this ironic thing about trying to show up for each other in times of social distancing. <laughs> it's amazing. So you have a different um, backstory, why you wrote this book. You want to share with the listeners how this whole came, how this story came about? Yes. Seven years ago, I had a hysterectomy, and I was in a hospital. And before this surgery, I'd lined up a few friends to help me, take me home, you know, look out for me for a couple of days. And lo and behold, I was left stranded. Uh, my uh-huh. One of my most important friends who headed up the whole help team had an emergency in her own family, and she couldn't show up. And uh, I just got this text message from her lying with the IVs around me, you know, oh, no. you know, stuck in my bed and groggy, and I was really stranded in the hospital, and I was even surprised the hospital still discharged me with no one to take care of me or take me home. That so that's what got it all started, and really, you know, the message to me was you can have all these friends and all this, all these good connections, but you know, when it comes right down to it, sometimes you can't count on them. And uh, that started a whole journey for me. So when you were recovering, you actually started this book? Yes. Yes, I did. Well, first of all, I had my own feelings of anger and betrayal by friends who didn't show up. And I also had my own feelings of shame about being isolated and not having the kind of support system I thought people were supposed to have. So I had to battle my own emotions, and I said, you know, in the beginning it was journaling, and I went, boy, this is important stuff for people to know who feel like they don't have people to turn to. And before you knew it, it was turning into a book. I said, gosh, I'm writing the book I couldn't find. (laughs) This is amazing. Um, I don't know if you realize this, but the name of my show is Get the Funk Out. Yes. <laughs> right. So I'm, I love that title. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm always intrigued how when people go through these personal and professional things, what they do to get out. And for you, it was writing. And who would have imagined throughout this tough journey, something wonderful would happen? Thank you so much. It was really healing. And I found that there was a message in what I was doing that applied to just about everybody else I knew who was also isolated like me or had been through isolating times. I got together and found people to profile for my book who had been through similar isolating experiences, even different ages. And we kept coming back with one of the most common themes was that the very thing that isolated us can become a way to unite us. For example, if you're isolated because of an illness, you can find other people who are going through an illness like you who will understand, and you can start connecting with people who are isolated by the same things you are, and lo and behold, you build community, and it can even start online, but it can also start by going to a face 
face-to-face to a support group. So look for people who've been through something similar that also isolated them, and lo and behold, you can start build community around that. That's excellent advice. You know, because there, you. there are a lot of people oh. that are, you know, stranded at home, feeling, you know, alone, and they don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, some of the millennials, we should say, I'm in my 60s, but a lot of folks younger than me tend to reach out through social media and, oh, everything from chats and groups from Facebook or are through websites. But a lot of people can connect with people through that way, but then follow up with face-to-face visits and a little bit of sharing and discussion and storytelling good old-fashioned heart-to-heart conversations. But sometimes the millennials start off using the online ways to connect and then build into face-to-face, whereas I find in my age group we like good old-fashioned, you know, just call somebody up and talk or go to a support group. But still, we end up in the same place. Millennials and my age group, we end up really wanting to share our stories and be heard. Yes. Well, I think there's nothing can replace the power of somebody's voice. Um, I had another guest on, uh, Tasia Valenza Stern, and she has this great message about, you know, giving great voice. And there's nothing that can replace, you know, there's no question, a text versus uh, someone's voice, a phone call, you know, uh, Facebook Live, FaceTime, whatever it is, there's nothing like it. And we're fortunate that we can use Skype and video conferencing, um, many ways to, during the coronavirus social distancing, we can use a lot of just ways to have good conversations during this time. It's a perfect time to reach out and have that good talk with that person you haven't talked to in years. You know, that long-lost cousin or long-lost high school classmate, hey, what's up? You know, how are you holding up? Yes. And, uh... You know, good old phone calls, Skype calls. I got a good friend in Scotland. She's Skyping with me now because she's, she's in my age group and worried about the virus in her country. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're not only comforting each other by getting in touch, but we're checking in. And we're also problem solving. What can you do? Yeah, that's great advice. Because I, I was going to ask you uh, any suggestions for people. Obviously, writing is a huge one. Um, yeah, you know, once I'm done cleaning out my pantry and <laughs> folding all the laundry uh, I've neglected, um, doing something creative is really important. Huge, and it can connect with people. You know, make for example, you can um, make your own cards and send out greeting cards to loved ones at this time. Make things and mail things out to them um, that you've made, or uh, share a lot of photographs, or share a lot of memories. Uh, share your favorite poems and stories with each other. There's a lot of that. One of my friends out in Minnesota, she said, I've got more calls from people over the last few days than I haven't heard from people in years. So there's some actually, I hate to say good things, but Mm. uh, truly good things that people are doing at this time. I agree, because now we're not so, quote-unquote, busy and we're, you know, di- <laughs> dialing it down, you know, to what really matters. Yes. You know? Yes. So what else would you like people to know about your book? About my book? Well, I have a little kind of a workbook inside the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, towards the end of the book, I summarize a lot of what is found, uh, what I write about in having a little 
kind of a toolkit at the end of the book so you can um, ask yourself some questions and reflect on some things and organize your own strategy for building community. So I wanted to make it practical. Um, I also want people to know that I interviewed and profiled 15 different people with their stories of isolation, and most of them wrote their own really beautiful pieces on breaking out of isolation. I have some people who went through addiction, some people who went through the loss of a loved one, some people who were isolated by illness. Uh, I have doctors writing about their own isolation uh, while they were trying to help others. And uh, so there's some really beautiful stories about isolation and how they broke out of it. Mm -hmm. But alongside mine, I didn't want to be the only one telling my story. So I have these uh, a wonderful uh, group of people who all alongside me, you know, have many of the same messages, common denominators. Um, even though we came through our isolation in very different ways, we, we all pretty much found similar solutions out of it. Um, yeah. And I have plenty of research in there, too. I line up some very eye-opening statistics about loneliness, and uh, I just wanted to make sure everybody thought that we were all in the same boat with this. We're not mm -hmm. the only ones. Uh, as individuals, we can often blame ourselves and look for character flaws in us and say, well, that's why I'm isolated. I didn't make the right choices or I didn't pick the right friends or something's wrong with me. I wanted my book to undo some of that kind of thinking and look at the big picture and see what's going on with the nation, indeed the world. And mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, again, I think it's incredible that you took this very, very challenging time, what you were going through, because you're writing a book with, you know, experience and empathy, you know, and compassion for others. And then you bring in the research, which is great. Yeah, research was actually really liberating for me. Oh, it really helped me see, oh, I'm not the only one who feels like that. Like, when I read that 83% of women over 45, according to a Pew Research Center study, guess mm -hmm. what? We really do get upset when someone close to us is on the phone, gets on the phone while we're talking to them checks their phone. It's amazing how just keeping your phone out of sight will help really deepen a conversation. Yeah. I mean, that was really good to know. 83% of the folks out there That's are big. just like me. They get just as upset as I yeah. do. <laughs> and then that gave me the strength to actually approach my friends and say, would you please just avoid that for 30 minutes with me yes. and really learn to be an advocate on behalf of of compassion on behalf of my other friends who are lonely, you know, right. to kind of step out and speak up and say, you know, it really matters to me that we have this sacred time together to talk without any interruption. So sure. I wanted my book to help us speak out a little more and be more honest about these things. That's great. So let me just give your website because we have to wrap up. It's Val yes. Walker, valwalkerauthor.com. I want to thank you so much for calling into the show. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed talking to you. You too. Take care. That was author Val Walker. If you missed any part of this, our conversation will be on the show blog within an hour after I wrap. But right now, her info is on the show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Uh, we are going to take a mini break, and then I'll bring on my last guest. And uh, let's see, we'll listen to This Must Be the Place by Sure Sure, and we'll be right back.